take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online at couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for over 15 years. Everyone says you need to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they need to do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. In this episode, Jean and I will be talking about the concept of the white sheep of the family. Yeah. Which is something you know a little bit about. A little bit about. <laughs> A little bit of, you know, it's, it's very personal for you. Yeah. But it, it's also going to correspond to the next podcast. Ashley and Luke. Ashley and Luke, who they, we, we just they recently mm-hmm. attended their wedding. Yeah, it was a great wedding. We had a good time. A, we met awesome some really time. cool people. Right. If you guys are listening, say hi to us because we haven't heard from you yet. Yeah, please like yeah. it or give us a little, uh, I don't know, emoji or something. That would be <laughs> kind of cool. So the white sheep of the family. Gene, well, what is that? So everyone knows about the concept of the black sheep of the family. Right. The black sheep is the person who screws up, who is fumbling through life, who's a failure to launch, who probably has some type of big problem like a drug addiction or something like that. Someone really went off course, right? That's the black sheep of the family. Okay. So that kind of would have been me, you know, in my teenage years, right? Okay. Yeah, you were not addicted to drugs. I, I wasn't, but, you know, I was the one that had the problems. I was, right. you know, yeah. the, mm-hmm. in, in psychology field, the IP. Got it. What's an IP? That would be the... Identified patient. Identified patient, yeah. right. So I, grew, I grew out of it, apparently. <laughs> or maybe not. And, and maybe it was a little white sheep of you. Hmm. So what I think about as the white sheep is if the whole family's the black sheep, <laughs> the white sheep is the one who, who leaves the flock and leaves that because they have a drive and a discipline to create something else in their life beyond which they were taught, where the other ones stay in the herd. I'm just picturing an entire flock of black sheep. That's kind of weird, right? <laughs> With one white With sheep, one white sheep. <laughs> in the middle of it, right? So I'm going to throw in a little psychology here, which we're going to do from time to time. In order to kind of talk a little bit more about this concept of the white sheep of the family, we have to talk about the concept of self-differentiation, which mm-hmm. was first brought up by Murray Bowen, who was, you know, leading expert when it comes to family systems theory. All right. And so there's two aspects to self-differentiation. There's intrapsychic differentiation and interpersonal differentiation. And intrapsychic differentiation is, you know, when we can 
tell apart our thoughts from our emotions. So it, in other words, it's, it's kind of like figuring out ourselves, you know, and self-awareness. And on the other hand, like interpersonal differentiation is when we distinguish our experience from the experience of people we are connected to. Okay. And, and these definitions here come from a, an article by Nora Sabahat Takied Dean. I'm sorry, I'm butchering your name, but Ken Codian's butchered. <laughs> my so. name has been butchered forever. <laughs> an article called Self Differentiation Why It Matters in Families and Relationships. So, you know, when we're talking about it, and, and specifically when we're talking about the white sheep of the family, mm-hmm. we're talking about interpersonal differentiation. Right. All right. And, and Bowen had this concept that each generation or, you know, the progeny of each generation is, is supposed to evolve beyond the last generation. Right. Right. But not that much. Right. So most people, if they were born to a dentist, they're probably going to be a dentist. If they're born to or, or a plumber, in the medical field, yeah, right? I mean, right. what we're talking about here is just you know a very similar very lifestyle. Very similar lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They they were brought up that lifestyle, and so they're just going to kind of one up. Yep. You know, the last generation. What they know, but not really far from it. And in fact, right. Bowen actually had these concepts of assigning a score, a differentiation mm-hmm. score mm-hmm. for each member of the family. And then the next generation. And those scores really wouldn't differ much, except for the fact that every now and then there would be a member of the family that would completely differentiate. Be an outlier. An outlier. So the outlier can be the black sheep? Could be the white sheep. Or it could be the white sheep. Right. Right. So in a family, for example, in a family that maybe graduated high school but never went to college. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So educational levels. Educational levels. Yep. Or everyone goes to college and you're the one who doesn't. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So, for example, in your family. I went to college. You went to college. And, you know, I I didn't just go to college. You know, when I was in high school, college was not something that was, or grades at all, were not something that were encouraged or really considered or cared about. (laughs) kind of a funny story. So I got into going to college because I had a child at 20 years old by myself. And that experience led me to a support group, which started this fire of wanting to do that kind this kind of work. To help people going through the Mm -hmm. same thing. Yep. And you, you can't do this kind of work without a degree. And, you know, I was undiagnosed dyslexic and failed spelling every year. Thought I was kind of dumb. I got an 18 on my ACTs and was kind of a C student and really didn't think that I was what they would call college material. So when I when I decided I, I wanted to, you know, give it a shot, I went to a junior college. I took a class and, and the class was just like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. And I got an A in that class. And it also told me that, what I should be when I grow up is this. How do you get an A in a class that is about what you want to be when you grow up? Like, isn't that just subjective? 
Well, you have to take all those tests, you know, like the Myers-Briggs and stuff like that. And then you had to go find someone in the field that was doing that job and interview them and write papers and stuff like that. Oh, okay. It's about effort. Yeah. And that was like, and you know, the, the game changer for me was the word processor. And for those of you who are younger than me, (laughs) the word processor was basically a a typewriter that could fix spelling mistakes. Right. And so because I couldn't spell, it could fix it. And And a little dot matrix window. And I still have, I have handwritten papers from college because most college, like the classes I took didn't require the typed out stuff yet. That was just shifting them. So this is early 90s. Did you have handwritten stuff? Oh, of course. Yeah. And so, you know, they don't do that anymore. But but I took that class and I passed it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try another one. And then I figured out if I didn't go full time, I couldn't really pay for it because you can't get financial aid or whatever. And when I was graduating with my associate's degree a couple of years later, I, I saw these people, these gold cords on and they're like, like, what are those gold cords for? And they're like, that's this honor graduate. And I was like, what does that mean? And they're like, well, if your GPA is above like a 3.3, then you're an honor graduate. And I said, what's a GPA? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't know. I didn't, nobody in my family had gone to college right. and it just wasn't something you did. And so I didn't know. And then, you know what I found out? My GPA, when I figured out what that was, was a two, a 3.28. I was like, wow. right there. You almost made it. I almost made it. Yeah. Yeah. I did get it for my bachelor's though once I figured out what that was. (laughs) Which is the extreme opposite of my experience Mm. of growing up, right? I mean, I went to Catholic parochial school, which you did too. Right. And then I went on to college prep. Jesuit. Jesuit, Mm -hmm. right. And that was all just focused on getting yourself into the right school, you know, just doing a lot of you were, you were college bound. I was college bound. <laughs> and then went to a Jesuit college as well, you know, and at the time it was pre-med, which is what I was heading towards. And then, Which is what you were told to head towards. Which what I, what I was told to head towards, right? Because you're not an outlier. Until I figured out that I didn't want to head towards that and, and I wanted to actually head towards the field of psychology, you know, and then it was on to master's degree and then on to my doctorate. But I mean, it was like this formula that, you know, I was told that I need to follow. You know, as you're talking, I I think we do share the story because in our black sheepedness, right, Mm. I got pregnant and you defied becoming a medical doctor. Right. And which, you know, was that a battle in your life? It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. A and so, battle. and so you have to kind of rebel in the, the black sheep way mm-hmm. before you can become that white sheep, which is really growing into your own and beyond your domestication, which we've talked about in other episodes and into what your real life purpose is and what you should be doing. And, you know, the, I think the hardest part about being the white sheep is the rest of the family really doesn't really accept it. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't it may, really understand, first yeah, of all. Yeah, they don't understand there's, it. There's not enough understanding to be able they to feel accept. Reje- I, I think they feel a little rejected. Yeah. Like, oh, you think you're better than us or 
this or that. Maybe. It has nothing I, to do with that. We don't even but, know. I, I think that there's not enough understanding to even have an opinion yeah, yeah. One, one way or another. Right. You know, and, you know, in, in the context, I mean, it's a really cool topic here, but, you know, in the context of what we're talking about here, in the next episode, which we interview Luke and Ashley, mm-hmm. you know, Luke is the white sheep of the family. Yeah. He really came from a very difficult, you know, upbringing and, you know, Ashley had the very traditional kind of upbringing. Well, I don't know if it's traditional, but she had an intact family with a lot of support and a lot of guidance and a lot of structure and a path to follow where Luke did not. Where he had to kind of figure that out on his own. Figure it out. And, you know, he's an incredibly disciplined person. Mm-hmm. And and I think discipline, that is that is the di- the difference. You know, I, I remember when I was when I was going for my bachelor's. So I, I got my associate's junior college went for my bachelor's. My son was five years old. I had a forty five mile drive each way to work. I had no heat in my car. I'm going to school full time. I'm working to support a kid. Like even thinking about those years is a little traumatic to me. Like it, it, it kind of makes me shake a little bit because like, how did you survive that? You know, and, and it is just that drive and that perseverance. And, you know, you see the same thing in Luke. Luke is, he's an MMA fighter. He is, is he a bodybuilder too? He is a bodybuilder. Yeah. Well, like very disciplined, very disciplined person. I don't think he ever competed, but you know, then, he also joined the military right. as well, yeah. right? And and through that, I think those things where he drove himself to better himself allowed him to fall in love with someone who was structured and had that stability that he was obviously craving and her family kind of ushered him in, adopted him into their lives and he got the rest of that. And and I would say that's true for me as well. I think your family did that for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Makes me cry a little bit. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just not, not something my family did. And you, you know, your family is, they're very inclusive people and they're very, they're very loyal people that show up, you know, and whether they approve or not, which is really fantastic because they, they really show up whether they agree with what we're doing or not. Which I think some of the, are some of the challenges that Luke and Ashley kind of ran into too, mm-hmm. right? You know, is, you know, judgment or preconceptions, yeah. you know, and, and trying to figure that out, right? Trying to find that balance between the two of them. Mm-hmm. As a person who kind of went through this, and, and I really think the precursor for me, besides, you know, getting knocked up, <laughs> was joining the Army. I was really raised by the Army. You know, I was herded by my family. You know, when you have nine siblings, eight siblings, and there's not, there's just not enough for anything, right? And you, you're just sort of in survival mode for most of your childhood. And then you join an organization where somebody cares if your clothes are clean. Somebody cares if they're folded and hung up and your boots are shined and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're eating when you're supposed to eat. It. And how'd you do with that, Jane? 
was a rock star. <laughs> I was so good at following rules that I, I, I think I craved it. And, you know, the army is not about people telling you what to do. It's really about you learning to be self-disciplined. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's kind of a misconception of people that haven't been in the military is you have to learn how to govern yourself. And that's what it taught me. And, and through that, it taught me self-esteem because I didn't have much of it before I, before I joined the army. And, and, and that was a precursor for me learning that, dis, that discipline and structure so that I could apply that when, when things got tough later on. So what was that like for you when you were being told, because you, you were told what college to go to. You, you had a lot of decisions made for you. Everything was really structured in my life, yeah. right? There was that formula that was laid out that I needed to follow. And there was really not much choice in the manner, right? And it was only until, you know, in the middle of college where I decided that I wanted to do something for myself and go in the direction that I wanted to. And and that was a, a huge, I mean, there, there was rebellion prior to that, but that was probably the pivotal moment, right? That was like this, this breakthrough. Was that, was that a rebellion into the white sheep as opposed to the rebellion into the black sheep? I I believe so. Yeah. Right. Because it was then a choice for myself, you know, versus a choice against. You know, it's really interesting the word choice, right? Because that, you didn't have a lot of choice as a child. You were told to do and structured, which children need, and that's not a bad thing. And I wasn't. You were left to fend for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I had to figure it all out. And, you know, that's not to say I wasn't fed and I wasn't, there was, there was a roof over my head and all that stuff. But nobody really cared what I was doing, you know. And so whatever I was doing, I was doing. And, and I had all the choices, which was too much. I don't even know what's worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost like, you know, two ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I think healthy is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So, you know, you you get to this point where you finally say and do no. Where for me, I, I said and did yes for myself. Mm-hmm. I wasn't answering to anybody else. I didn't have anyone to answer to or anyone to rebel from. Which was not an easy thing to do or to face. For you or for me? For both. Right. Right. Because it was going against what was expected. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though we came from opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, I think that's what really bonded us together. Yeah. And, And I think that's true of our relationship today is we're constantly choosing. Right. You know, one of the things I was thinking about is, you know, some couples, they fight about like, you know, I always do the dishes and I am always doing this and I'm always doing that. And we we just do it. Like whatever needs to get done, we're, we both just do it. Right. And there's that balance. It's like, oh, you made the coffee yesterday. So yeah, it's my turn now to get up and make coffee in the morning. Right. But I, I couldn't even imagine sitting on the couch, like doing nothing, watching you clean the house. Like that would be like, I would be so uncomfortable, you know, I would never do that, you know, and, and we just get stuff done and, and it's kind of cool because we do that without thinking. Well, 
I have to say that it's a flow that we have developed over 22 years now. Yeah, yeah, we definitely had to develop it. Right. And, you know, in the beginning when we were, when we had kids and we were balancing a family and dealing with budding careers, it was not as easy. It wasn't not, it, it was not as much of a flow at that point. It, it wasn't a flow, but that drive was still there. That drive to... To find the balance. To find the balance and to show up and to participate and to do what needed to get done. You know, we've, we've both been very hardworking people that we have a drive to create and a drive to like get to that next level. We're not... To do something different. Yeah, do we're something not exciting people. And, yeah, and new. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, people have always kind of looked at our relationship and been like, I wish I kind of had that. And like, you have no idea how much work that is. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Totally worth it. But it is. You don't go on autopilot. And, you know, that's the number one problem we see with with our couples, right? They're on autopilot. They get up and they go to work and they come home and they do the same routine over and over again. And, and most of the time they don't interact at all. Right. And so, you know, that's what I find really inspiring is seeing couples who interact together. They do things together. Yeah. They try new things together. Their right. Hobbies. And we, we had the podcast with Julie and Charlie mm-hmm. that they created a business together. Right. And they're just always trying to interact in some way. Mm-hmm. Right. And they inspire each other. And, you know, the next podcast with Ashley and Luke, the same thing. You know, they're interested in the same things and they encourage each other. And and that's refreshing, it, it, you know, especially the fact that they're young couples. Yeah. Ashley's a personal trainer, but she was my personal trainer. She was inspiring to me. And her and Luke's workouts, they're so cute together, right? Right. And they just, they're very driven, dedicated people. That, you know, they, they met and found they have a similar passion. And then that for sure is going to move into their relationship and help them work at it very hard. Check out our show notes on the next podcast because we will include links to her website. Right. Yeah. Where she does virtual personal training coaching. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's always good to be inspired in your physical body because that's a tough one. He's for us. <laughs> and and be sure to listen to the next episode because Ashley and Luke actually they reveal a surprise. They do. In the episode that we were not aware of. Apparently neither was her father. <laughs> <laughs> Which is is really a cool thing because yeah. you know from time to time people like reveal things on couple synergy. Yeah that they have not spoken about to anybody. Right. Yeah, we've heard some good ones. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if you are in your life and you find that your life looks pretty identical to your parents or you feel like you really are stuck and not growing in life, think about creating a discipline. You know, discipline literally is when you choose to do something, whether you feel like it or not, right? And it's something we do 
and impose upon ourselves regularly, right? And that's what our transformations, that part of our, our, our business is about. Transformations is about, you know, holding yourself accountable to doing something daily, you know, whether it's meditating or exercising or eliminating your distractions so that you can create a more meaningful and grounded life. We actually encourage our individuals and couples Mm -hmm. to do something that we call a walkabout. Yeah. Right. And the word walkabout comes from the Australian Aborigine. And when you got to a certain age in the tribe, you would walk about into in the wilderness until you found yourself. Right. Right. And Mm -hmm. then you would come back and rejoin the tribe, knowing your purpose and meaning. And so our exercise that we have our individuals and our couples do is that, you know, to go someplace that you've never been before, Mm -hmm. someplace you have no familiarity and to walk about without any agenda, without any itinerary, no plans, no distractions. So no TV, no radio. You can't read a book, can't write, just unplug, unplug, no internet. And really the essence of it is to do whatever you feel like in that moment. And it's about connecting to your feelings. If you feel like eating, you eat. If you feel like sleeping, you sleep. If you feel like walking, you walk. And it's a way to commune with something bigger than yourself. Especially if you find yourself in that in that position of being the white sheep of the family, where you are being bombarded by messages from family, friends, society, whatever that is, and you haven't figured out your true authenticity, your true calling, right? Mm-hmm. Your own inner truth. And and that is the time for you to really remove yourself from all of those messages and to try to figure out what that truth is inside. And and that's why we give that that walkabout mm-hmm. assignment is for yeah. you to really connect with that. Yeah. And I, if if you feel confused and if you feel ungrounded and you feel unsettled you're doing it right because that's what change feels like if you can predict the outcome you are not changing right a a walkabout is not a pleasurable experience it's not a vacation at all no Mm -mm. no to tune inward to really figure out what your true north compass is it is not a pleasurable experience. Mm-mm. But it, but it's intense and it's, it's so meaningful that you will remember like every second of it. Like I remember a walkabout I did and I was just driving. And for me, I just get in the car and start to drive. And I, I usually do it because I'm very upset about something and I just have to get some time to me. And I start driving and I wind up in Lake, uh, on Lake Michigan, Wisconsin, and there's these really cute cottages. So I rent one and I don't even go in. I just leave and go get dinner. And then I come back and it's this little tiny room, little tiny cabin alone in the woods. You know, there's multiple cabins, but you're not like in a hotel where, you're, you know, you have a common hallway. You're just out there. And like at midnight, someone came and knocked on the door. <laughs> That's scary. It was really scary. And there was, it was so tiny. There was just like a little table, a bed and, and a little dresser. 
And I just took the table and I moved it in front of the door so they couldn't open the door because it was wedged between the table and the bed. And then the next morning I checked out and went somewhere else. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So we suggest that you go to like a safe environment. Somewhere. Oh, you went to a tent. <laughs> You've gone just tenting right. and camping, right? I have too. So we've had multiple experiences of doing the walkabout. Mm -hmm. You do not have to follow our advice on how to do that. But the experience itself is rewarding. You really find yourself. You really find yourself. And we suggest that it be a minimum of 48 hours, a maximum of 72 hours. So first of all, it's not just a day jaunt for 24 hours because it, that it takes at least 24 hours to just kind of extinguish all of the distractions yep. that we fill our life up with. So that's why the minimum 48 hours, but then it's not a vacation. That's or, why or it's spa a spa weekend or a spa weekend, right? That's why it's a maximum of 72. Right. And during that time, you just you, your inner voice becomes the loudest thing that you hear. And that's the point is really figuring out who you are, right? And what you want to be, because that is going to impact all of your relationships, mm -hmm. especially your primary relationship. Yeah. You know, I have a, I had a client that did that once and he was, he was the son of two dentists and he was in dental school. And he did not want to be in dental school. Talk about level of differentiation right? there, right? And I, I'm like, you need to go on a walkabout. And he literally drove like 20 minutes from his house, parked his car, walked into the woods, pitched a tent, sat there for 48 hours, and came back home. And 10 years later, he sent me an email. And he's like, you know, working with you really changed my life. I want you to know I never finished dental school. I am doing this other thing. I'm really wanting to grow in life. And, you know, it, it, it totally changed my life. So hopefully you didn't pitch a tent on someone else's property. And that's something we know. definitely don't <laughs> yeah, endorse. Don't do all right. Don't Just do don't that. do that. <laughs> Make sure you know where you're, you're tenting, by the way. But it is a very rewarding experience. We highly suggest everyone try it. Yeah. It, it is the most difficult assignment that we give all our clients. Yeah, let's give them the rules again. Oh, yeah. So 48 to 72 48 hours. 48 to 72 hours. Unplugged. Unplugged. So no internet, no TV. You can't talk to anybody either. Right. We missed that Tell one. Tell that story. So you can't talk to anyone. Yeah. You know, you can't belly up to a bar and just start chatting with people. The right. only conversations you can have is, you know, checking in to a hotel or something. Ordering food. Or ordering food. But that's pretty much it. Yeah. Because and, that can be a distraction. And it's ideal if nobody knows where you are. Right. Right. Well, well the, the story you're talking about is one of my clients, you know, she went on the walkabout and she decided she was going to go and utilize the hot tub at the hotel. So that's fine. And she went into the hot tub and then a couple got into the hot tub too. And so she was worried that they were going to try to talk to her. And in fact, they did try to talk to her. And so what she did is she pretended 
that she didn't speak English. (laughs) (laughs) And then they left her alone, which was perfect, right? Because that's part of the rules. Yeah. You know, you you have to be in your head. Mm -hmm. You have to figure out who you are, where you begin, where you end. Because if you don't know that, there's no way that you're going to be in a relationship wholly, whole and healthy and be able to create that happiness together. And another rule is if you are in a relationship, your partner needs to stay home while you go. Mm. They need to hold the fort down because it's just as impactful for them to feel the missing of your presence as it is for you to go. Like you don't both go on your walkabout at the same time. One stays home, one goes. And and just so you know, when we say that this is the most difficult assignment that we give our clients, it can cause fights. And for sure. And for sure. Like pretty much we warn our clients that Before you go on a walkabout and after you come back, be prepared that you are going to get into a fight with your partner. Yeah, you can think about fighting as being like fire, right? Fire, it cooks bugs out of our food. It warms our home. It's very soothing to watch. It can burn your house down and kill you, right? Right. All of those things. And so, you know, fire... It makes s'mores, though. (laughs) If you're lucky, you're making some s'mores. You can wrap up a potato and make a big potato <laughs> in a fire. There's trees that only reproduce at 300 degree temperatures or hotter. And so when the, the fire goes through the forest, it kills off the overgrown stuff and burns up the dead stuff. And it leaves this rich, fertile soil. And then these trees drop their seeds and new forests can grow. And that's kind of what fighting should be for a relationship, Right. And so when you're going through change, there's that friction and you're going to fight more because it's scary. What do I say about conflict? It's Mm -hmm. inevitable in every relationship. Yep. It works like a credit card, right? You can either pay the bill now or you can pay the bill later with interest. Right. And, And we hope that the interest doesn't mean, you know, just child support and maintenance because... That that's the ultimate, right? That's the ultimate credit card debt. Right. That you're that you're paying after, instead of figuring out during. So to cycle back mm-hmm. to the topic of being the white sheep of the family, you know, it is a very difficult position to be in, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of introspection to be able to get to the point where you know that you know what, you're okay for who you are. Yeah. And that introspection time is important. And if you find yourself in that position of, of, you know, wondering why you're different than the rest of your family, take that time to find that, that personal acceptance, to be able to learn that you are a valuable person in this world and that you have something to bring to this world. Going, going through a transformation like that is like going through a tunnel. When you walk into a tunnel, all the light comes from the past. And you walk farther in and you find yourself in complete darkness. And you might sit down and cry for a bit. You might stumble. You might fall. You might crawl. Whatever you do, if you keep moving forward, 
when you think you can't stand it anymore, you'll see the light. You'll see the light on the other end and you'll come out on the other side and the past will have been in the past and then you can begin creating a new future together. And just realize that once you figure that out, you will attract the perfect person to be in a relationship with. Work for me. <laughs> it worked for me too. So we want to wholeheartedly thank you for joining us today and for listening to Couple Synergy on the topic of the white sheep of the family. We hope that by listening to this episode, it was not only beneficial for your life, but also for your relationship. And just as a reminder, we have this awesome thing going on right now. We are inviting all couples to post a picture on Instagram or on our Facebook page, Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean, with the hashtag Couple Synergy of the two of you doing something fun, two of you doing something exciting, something new. And let us know where you're from. And for all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast. Please leave us a review. We would really love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about our about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive that is coming up in October, and our premier program called Couple to Couple. Look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. <laughs>